Is it Christmas yet? Ta. I have no idea where I am and what I'm doing right now. Well, this is the Right for Your Life podcast, and you are Donna Sorensen, and I am Ian Broom. This is very true, but we won't be the Right for Your Life podcast for very much longer. It will always be the Right for Your Life podcast, it's just that we won't be here, and no one will be recording it. We need to back up a little bit, because um, we have made uh, an announcement um, or I did on my on my website, but um, I think there's going to be lots of people who will not have read the website. Um, I'm basing that primarily on my Google Analytics figures for the last five years. Um, so people will be finding this out for the first time. Um, and well, you've you've kind of already um, well, you've blown it. That was it. I mean, for some people that for some people that's going to that was it. <laughs> well, I mean, we could technically just pretend that we. We've not started yet, and we could just start from like in a minute. No, well, I think it's too late. We're in. This is it. We're in it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Better just get it out there, eh? And then we can. Anyway, nobody cares. Nobody cares that we're going, Ian. <laughs> oh, I'm joking. Actually, it's been really, really nice. We've had some great messages since you posted the news that we were going to be recording just two more shows, and then we were going to have to hang up our headphones. But to be to be perfectly clear about what's happening the right for your life podcast um is finishing um and um we will talk about the reasons for that in a few minutes or now um and we've also had some fantastic listeners questions which are all about really um us finishing the right for your life podcast so we'll talk about it later too i think um but um yes so the, we've been on breaks before and we've been um, you know, the podcast has been, in fact, this is one of the reasons it's ending, but I'll come on to that. Um, it's been quite higgledy piggledy over the years. Uh, the first episode was 2009 and it was just me. Um, and now we're about to record the last two episodes. So it's over a long period of time, 157 will be 58, 59, 159 episodes. Um, and the right for your life podcast, that's it. That, that is it. Um, it doesn't mean that we won't, do something together in the future, does it? No, doesn't. Sorry, I'm just sitting here obsessed with the fact that now we're going to stop at 159. That I, I don't like that. As opposed to 160. Yeah. I mean, we should, we, we should probably just go to 175. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what? We love recording this. I absolutely love recording this podcast. I love, you know, just... Dossing about you and not really, you know, helping anybody or being any clearer about writing or anything. Just the fact that, you know, we get to chat and we get to, I don't know, learn more about the world. <laughs> um, I'm not sure anyone else has learned anything about the world listening to this, but um, but they may have. You never yeah, know. So I'm about, uh, but, you know, we have to stop for, for reasons really beyond our control. Although, of course, we could keep recording and recording. But we have to we have to face facts that you know there are a lot of things pulling pulling us every which way but loose at the moment, and that's the only reason why we are going to be saying goodbye to the Right for Your Life podcast for now. Well, no, not for now, forever. Yeah, the Right for Your Life podcast is no more, um, as of two episodes into the future, including this one. Um, 
But, you know, I should say that too. It's, I, I do love recording the podcast. So we haven't fallen out of love with doing this podcast. We still like doing this podcast. We still like talking about writing. Um, and that's, it's felt that, is, that in itself has felt like a bit of an issue for both of us, hasn't it, over the last, especially the last year, um, before we went on our break last spring, we were away for most of the summer and then we've, re- we've only recorded actually, I think three or four episodes since we came back. Um, but one of the issues that we, we both felt we had was that we were doing a podcast about writing when in our actual lives, we weren't really doing that much writing because of, we should make these reasons obvious for people who are listening for the first time, which is also, you know, a possibility. Um, me and Donna, we both have children, not together. We have, uh, we are related in some way. Are we related? Yeah, I think so. In the eyes of the law. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you brother you, and sister-in-law. Perhaps we should. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening for the first <laughs> time, that sounds even weirder, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. This is a yeah. slippery slope. Um, and uh, so, yeah, both young kids um, and second books to write, full-time jobs, uh, all that kind of thing. So, recording a podcast, which takes quite a lot of time um, every week, uh, has proven tricky. I mean, in the last six weeks. Um, what well, more than that? It's two months, isn't it, since our last episode? Um, it's been difficult for us to even find a time where we're both able to record, um, because we've had ill children. Or uh, at the start of January, I was applying for a job, which I got, which we may talk about shortly. Woo-hoo! Indeed. Um, and yeah, so life has just got in the way of the Right for Life podcast um, in this particular format, which is you know a show that's about an, uh, an hour long. Um, and um, and reasonably reasonably heavily edited, believe it or not. Um, so overall, it takes well, it, it takes me a bit longer because I do the editing, but it takes a good couple of hours to do that, plus the hour recording, plus the five minutes preparation. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just uh, too much for our current uh, hectic lifestyles, which is sadly not partying. It's you know, uh, it's it's not good for the soul. This is the thing: is that you know we sat we sit and we chat about writing and and. We talk about where we've been and what we've been doing with it, but ultimately, everybody who listens to this podcast who's a writer will know that the reason that you call yourself a writer or that you write is because you can't not write because you love it. And I don't know, I just think it it can actually, it can become quite difficult to talk about writing when you know you're not doing it because you are so desperate to write. And I did a little calculation it really doesn't take that much to calculate this when you when you hear the number um I had my book published two years ago my poetry collection in the two years since then I've written six poems six and, and that is terrible and you've probably recorded about 70 episodes of the right for your life podcast exactly exactly and it doesn't help, you know, we're all online. I see my contemporaries are coming out with second collections now. Um, and our listeners will also know what it's like. You want your friends and your, um, you know, peers to be doing well. Of course you do. But sometimes when, when you see people's good news, you're a bit like, oh, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean, Ian? Um, I know exactly what you mean. I'm going through it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going through it at the moment. Um, and I've been, that's been happening to me over the last six months it's not something that I've particularly suffered from before it's the basic author envy isn't it where you see other people apparently doing amazingly well and you assume that um uh, that well you you don't assume you know that that should be you 
and um, and you get upset and slightly green-eyed. Um, and that's really been happening to me over the last uh, six months because um, uh, because it's, I think it's human nature and it's sort of the nature of being a writer is um, we are all, it is a really, it is generally a pretty good community. It's uh, most, in my experience, most writers want other writers to do well because we all know how difficult it can be to um, to get anywhere with it. Uh, certainly in terms of you know, professionally uh, getting published. So um, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like I, and I don't think, I don't think, I don't think you feel like this either, that there is um, something beyond envy where you actually don't like the person or you're angry at the person um, or people. It's just a case of thinking, oh, I wish that was me or that could exactly. be me if it wasn't, if it wasn't for this or, or that kind of thing. So yes, exactly. I, I think it's really important to turn it into a positive, and that's what I would normally do when I read stuff that I really respect or admire, or you know, it makes me want to go and write. It doesn't make me want to throw down my my pencil and say never again. I can never do it. You know, I mean, it's 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 electrifying to read amazing things and to see what great things are being done. But you you have to you have to use it as as a motivator to go out and do your own writing. I, mean, I don't think I've, I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast, but since, well, in the last year, my sister, who has a full time job and a baby, has not just finished her first novel and is now writing her second, but has also got an agent and is, you know, if she can find time to do this kind of stuff, I need to find time, you know. And um, what would you say is the primary difference between you and um, Emily, your sister? Um, my sister can just go and lock herself into her own world when other stuff's going on around her. I've seen that happen. You know, I feel a lot of social responsibility in certain situations. You know, if we have family gatherings and things, you just want to make sure everyone's all right, get involved and stuff, you know. Emily doesn't worry too much about that. She can just sit herself in the corner and, and write. I've seen her writing in all sorts of places. And what, and what I was going to say was I don't think Emily... Well, she has a Facebook account, but she never posts, really posts much, you know, apart from the usual kind of, you know, family stuff like we all do. Um, yeah, that's true. No Twitter account, as far as I know. Okay. Um, I just don't think that she, <laughs> I hope she uh, doesn't mind me saying this, but she's not, um, like, I'm an internet person. I get all my news from the internet. I get everything. Like, the internet is just a fundamental part of my life, as it is many people's lives. But um, I don't know if it is for Emma so much. No, but she... This is a very interesting point because she reads. She reads a lot. Um, she's always talking to me about stuff she's been reading. I don't know. People fill their time with other things. She's not filling all her time with writing, but it's just really interesting for me to have her there doing it because it's a good butt kicker. Yeah. She's also got an amazing work ethic. I mean, she's, you know, a very highly qualified, very... Uh an all-round awesome person in terms of, you know, work. Not that, you, not that you, neither you nor I are... Aren't I there, of course, Donna, but uh, she has a... <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. It, giving someone a compliment does not mean that you have to take a compliment away from someone else, eh? But yeah, she has a certain work ethic that is, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. I've, I've, you know, amazing that she's done what she has in a short period of time. So it's possible. It's possible to have a, 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 a young child. It is possible. And also great for our, for our um, listeners as well to know that, you know, you and I used to sit around, you know, talking about writing and, oh, we're the writers, 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 writers. And then Emily kind of dropped in, you know, I'm writing a novel. And we're like, all right, yeah, good luck with that. And then, bam, next thing we know, a year later, I guess, she's finished it. So 
I, I, I love seeing it, just the fact that somebody says, I'm going to write a novel, then they actually write a novel, and then it's finished, as opposed to saying, I'm going to write it, and they never get around to it. It's good to know that you can just get cracking at any point, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's absolutely true. So we're going to try and do that, aren't we? We are. So that's kind of ultimately, um, after all of this bluster, the reality is we are hoping to both spend 2016, the first part of it, or the first half of it, in my case, um, really breaking the back of, uh, or the backs of our second books. And we felt that it was a bit difficult to, um, I don't know, live with ourselves. <laughs> is that the right phrase? It's not the right phrase, is it? It's difficult to, um, to, to spend one night a week, um, entirely after a full time, full time, you know, full day's work, um, totally dedicated to something that isn't that because we both know that the other days of the week are not going to be, it's not like for the other six, we're going to be able to write. If we, if we have like two or three nights a week where we're able to concentrate on something, then it's time to make that something always writing. Does that sound right? Yes. Do you, I'm just sitting here wondering, and you can reject me now, you know, kind of live on air. Um, do you think we should make, once we have this hole, do you think we should make one night of the week our write for your life writing night for us? I mean, it doesn't, we don't have to call it that, but just that we, I want to commit one night a week after this to a night when I just sit down and I have to make sure that I've done it every week. And the only thing I'm doing is writing or preparing for the book. Do we still have to Skype each other? No, but I think maybe it would be a good idea for us to check in with each other. A bit like, you know, you can be my sponsor and I'll be your sponsor to check we're not slipping back into old habits. It, I mean, it, it sounds like a good idea to me. It's another thing that I've missed um, a lot. I didn't think I was missing it three, four years ago. Um, and then gradually, as I get to this point, I realise that I am missing a writing community that is close, like a small writing. I've not really been in a writing group, but a very sort of small knit writing thing where um i was able to sort of share work and get feedback and and be kept on track i haven't really done that instead i think i think my alternative to that actually um has been this podcast it's like i've I, in some ways it's felt like this has been um a way of making myself uh, accountable in some in some way but of course it's a silent accountability where no one actually rings and says have you actually done anything they just listen to your show and and carry on. And it's not that we have, I mean, we should be clear. It's not that we've literally done nothing over the last, um, 18 months or a couple of years. It's just, uh, it's, I mean, I've talked about mine. I was, I've abandoned a, a novel so far in, and, um, I've been working on, um, the next one. It's, it's not that no work has been done. It's just that, you know, it's, it's as we've said, really, it's just the, the, the realistic, um, the real, the reality of it is that, uh, is time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, sounds good. Let's, uh, let's make a, let's just, let's have a check-in evening. Yeah, yeah, just checking in, you know, you writing? No, you, I'm going to, that'd be fine. That's all it is, you know. Do you not think that, uh, I'm concerned that I might ring you and uh, I say, um, just checking in, how's it going? Go, <laughs> <laughs> like to say that, take it, you're going to bleep that bleeper out. Um, I'd be more concerned at the moment that you're going to check in. You're going to be like, right, what are you doing? And I can guarantee you that my response will be, I'm watching The Wire. <laughs> so I'll probably start this once I've finished The Wire because, you know, I like doing things 
14 years late or however long. Yeah. Should we, we, should we come on to this in one of our questions about what we're going to do in the future? But yeah. we, we have talked about, I think people will, well, some people may want to hear this part of the conversation. We, we're being a little bit cryptic in saying that, oh, well, we might work together again in the future. Um, we have had that conversation, haven't we, about what that might actually entail. And um, we sort of, we sort of nearly just carried on as in ended right for your life and just started a new podcast straight away, but just changing the format. So making it a lot shorter, um, making it um, um, uh, kind of different in terms of topic or, or, or fortnightly or something like that. We, we have talked about that, but ultimately we decided now we need to give ourselves a few months to, to, to write. Um, but we have, we're not entirely sure whether we, is it, well, you stop me if I'm talking nonsense, but we haven't, Really decided whether. Uh, Stop you there. <laughs> I was. I'm blathering. You can tell. See, this is another thing. We've not done this for about seven or eight weeks, and I can feel myself blathering constantly. We have to edit half of this out. Um, nothing's changed from how it used to be. I mean, it's just miraculous that people appreciate the blather. Anyway, carry on. We might not do a podcast about writing. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, when we look critically at what we talk about. Um, apart from the fact that you, you know, occasionally mention the fact that you've not had time to write and the twins and um, how good you were at football and things like that. Just giving our regular listeners a bit of a chance to drink there on the Right For Your Life drinking game. Um, you know, we talk about all sorts of stuff. I mean, tangents, it's an understatement. We're off all over the shop. So we've talked about doing something that's maybe 15 minutes. I really like the idea of running a podcast that's a bit like... Um, a bit like a blog in the sense that it could be, you know, people can like guest, guest podcast. And I don't mean like have a guest on the show. I mean that we sort of hand the format over to them and they do their own thing. Um, or it could be that we include sort of extracts like readings or, or individual, um, like, I don't know, sort of interviews with other people that are then sort of played within our own podcast. I've got kind of too many ideas really. Um, and uh, and and how that all kind of shakes out, we're not quite sure. But um, I do feel like that it will happen. But we are not in a position to commit. And as we've said about a thousand times, it won't be called Right for Your Life, and it won't be. It'll be an independent thing. But people, in the meantime, should definitely keep an eye on your mailing list, should they not, Ian? Well, that's it. So where do you go if you want to um, find out about that stuff? It's kind of the same old places. Um, you can go to, you can follow us both on Twitter. So whatever we do in the future, and if you kind of want to just follow along with our story over the next few months as we write, Twitter is a good place to go. So let's get these addresses out of the way now. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's I A I N B R W O M E, which is also handily the spelling of my name. And you are the Flying Poet. Don't need to tell anyone how to spell that, really, do we? Um. Or you can go to my website, ianbroom.com, and you can subscribe to the RSS feed or by email. Um, or you can get the newsletter, the email newsletter. So I will tell everyone there. And if you're a writer, if you're a writer, then I recommend doing that anyway, because every week I send out. So I am going to carry on the newsletter, if anyone was wondering, um, because that's a far less work. Um, every week I send out a series of links to um, interesting writing-related articles that I found on the internet. And I also publish a little tiny um, short story of my own, and they're really tiny micro-stories. They're like a f- 
couple of sentences, sometimes a few words. Um, so if you want to keep up to date with what's going on with us in the future, then that's uh, they are all good places to do so. This episode of the Right for Your Life podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Now, as you probably know, we writers are expected to have some kind of online platform to show off our work and build an audience. That always starts with a website. I made my first website in 2008 and spent the next six years pulling my hair out. Of course, at first I thought it was sort of fun to have things break and to waste my evenings messing around with HTML, broken plugins and bad tutorials on YouTube. But then I realised I might actually be better spending that time doing something useful. You know, like, like writing. And so last year, I found and fell for Squarespace. Squarespace makes it incredibly easy to set up your own website, whether you're a budding author, freelance copywriter, or like me, both of the above. It's all drag and drop, which means that you can take one of Squarespace's stunning starter templates and make it your own in no time at all. And every site made on Squarespace is automatically going to be responsive, which means that your website will scale to look great on any device. Like I said, it's incredibly easy to use. But if you do have a problem, there's no need to waste your time trying to learn skills that you neither have nor want. Because Squarespace has a support team who are always there for you when you need them, with 24-7 support via live chat and email. Got some wares to sell? That's no problem too. Squarespace has commerce built right in. Every website comes with a free online store, which means from ebooks to actual real-life goodies, you can flog what you've got from your own site. And finally, cover pages. If you've got something specific to shout about, or if you just want to get a site up sharpish while you work on the full shebang, Squarespace's cover pages feature allows you to set up a beautiful one-page online presence in minutes. How much does all this cost? Well, not a lot. Squarespace starts at just $8 a month, and you get a free domain if you decide to sign up for the annual plan. Head to squarespace.com WFYL and get started with a free trial, no credit card required, and start building your website today. Even better, when you sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code WRITE, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get 10% off and show your support for Right for Your Life. So, thank you to Squarespace for their continued support of 5x5 and the Right for Your Life podcast. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Are we going to move on now? Yeah, let's move Something on. Else. Let's do some content. And then we'll get in our listeners' questions. Lots of them are about our uh, departures, so we can perhaps see if there's anything we've not mentioned there. Well, before we look ahead... Um, Quite a few people online had asked um, if you would give us a little bit of feedback about your writing retreat. And maybe you should also just remind everybody um, what that writing retreat entailed. Because it was cool. It was a little, it was a present. It was a gift from my wife. It was my birthday on the 28th of November. It's the same date every year. And um, for that birthday, my wife bought me, in inverted commas, a writing retreat. Not in a leafy kind of um, uh, area with a stone house in the middle of nowhere and a, an open fire. Um, however, it was still excellent. It was in a flat in um, a, a suburb in London 
And said sister that has already been mentioned on this podcast episode um, was uh, with you watching Star Wars. And so I was able to go into the flat for two days, more like a day and a half, really. Um, and um, I had the entire place to myself to to write. And I've been calling it my writing retreat. Awesome. And how did it go? Did um, you walk around in your underpants for three days like you promised you were going to? Um, I, uh, I ran around for 10 minutes and got it out of my system. And, um, and then I, and then I got on with my work. It was, um, it was a bit of a mix, bit of a mix, but well, no, it was good. It it was, um, it was very, very helpful. And I came back feeling very, very positive about my writing and about the novel and what I was doing. So in in that regard, it was great. But the pros, the kind of process was interesting and being in that position was quite interesting I did some notes and I did a bit of work on the train going down and this was part of the plan. So I knew that I wasn't going to have any of Friday really, because I was taking, I got a seven, a seven ish PM train to London. It's a two and a half hours. Then it's about an hour to get from St. Pancras out to, um, to the place where I was staying. So I knew that if I was going to get anything done on the Friday, it would have to be on the train. And, um, I started working on the train and then of course a guy came and sat not directly behind me, but directly behind me and to the right, so on the opposite aisle. And then a young female sat directly behind me and the guy spent about an hour chatting her up in in, in a, a way that made me feel quite uncomfortable in places. And so instead of, I mean, I was trying my best to write, but I spent most of that journey basically trying to decide whether it was a situation this is a Friday night on a train um, with very few stops, whether it was appropriate for me to get involved or not. Um, and as it happened, she was very polite and pretty amazing and handled it exceptionally well. Um, and she was doing so throughout. And so instead of d- deciding whether I should get involved or not, I was then deciding whether I should get involved despite her being excellent and whether that was rather the point or not. But the whole thing was quite unsavoury and so I didn't get a huge amount of wood and but that wasn't really the most important thing. Eventually the end of the story is he fell asleep when he basically realised he wasn't getting anywhere. But it wasn't nice. Was this the kind of thing you were wondering about? <laughs> oh I'm just trying to imagine you doing a fifteen minute podcast, Ian. <laughs> Have you ever been in that situation? In, on on either way, have you been? Oh, I've been in terrible, terrible situations like that. Just chatting people up and they're not interested. Yeah, yeah happened to go to sleep. All right, fine. A few then. No, um, I remember once when I well, I was seventeen. My first car I took it to a garage to get um, fit, the seatbelt fixed, um, and I was there for four hours. And this guy was just like talking and talking and doing different things. So I was like, I mean, how's it you know how's it going with that seatbelt? Four hours he kept me in that place on my own with him, just talking and talking. And then I got this rather sinister card in the post with a picture drawn on it of a girl driving a car. It was it was yeah. it you? It was supposed to be me, yeah. Oh, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Will you go out for a drink with me? And I realised, hang on, hang on, four hours for a seatbelt. I don't know. Anyway, the writing went well after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to see. So I, I did, I, I worked in, um, on the Saturday until, the, so I had all Saturday and half of Sunday and for up until about 2 PM on the Saturday, I 
worked between two coffee shops. Now, do you do much writing in coffee shops? Or work? Have you ever done a lot of work in like in a coffee shop where you've gone along and said, yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a coffee, please, and then uh, sat down and then tried to work? No. I, I was in Japan once, which was quite cool, and I just tried to go and sit in places like that just so I could kind of people watch and soak up the atmosphere and everything. But I, if I'm not travelling, I haven't tended to do that. Well, I kind of quite like it. I quite like doing it. But I, I struggle with the guilt of having finished my tea or coffee after about nine minutes. And then I'm just sat there, so I feel obliged to go and buy another drink or you know, a muffin. You know, I'm basically spending about 20 quid on, on sort of unhealthy refreshments just so I can sit somewhere. But this is something that people do. A lot of people actually, you know, almost work all day, every day in coffee shops. And I don't know how they do it. I don't know. People must sit there and not have anything to eat or drink. Otherwise it would cost a fortune. Oh yeah. I mean, you can, you can make a coffee go a long way. Some of the problem is that I'm, but don't, but surely you know that the person especially if it's like an independent place where someone is doing their best to run a business and they're looking at you and you're drinking the same cup of tea that you've had for 40 minutes. They're eyeing up yeah. your table, surely. It depends, I guess, if you're a regular. What if you're a lunatic from Sheffield? <laughs> you are far from lunatic, honestly. Anyway, basically, I tried this method of working in coffee shops and I, I, I managed to last... Cup of tea, I think I had a cappuccino with a sugar, and then a uh, cup of tea, and I had a Danish pastry in tribute of your good self. And then I, um, and then I, I thought, I'm going to have to go, I can't just keep eating, it's just gonna, I'm going to look like I've got a problem. So I left and went to another coffee shop and did the same thing. And then eventually I thought, this is ridiculous, I'm going to have to go home and work from there. And that was when the trouble started writing-wise. Because in the morning, in the coffee shop, it was all go, and it felt like uh, I, I, I was kind of... Mentally, I was like, this is it, I'm in a coffee shop, and I'm in London, there are people, there are bagels, there are, there are, there are other refreshments, and, and, and this is what people do, and I'm, I'm away... Uh, and it, it was all going swimmingly. And I was also typing. I was doing a lot of typing, which I recommend if you want to be a writer. Because one thing that I struggle with is just moving on. If I'm stuck with my writing, then I struggle to just, just move on. And I did this thing, which um, is not that much of a revelation, but I've never really done it before. If I'm in the middle of a paragraph and I'm stuck, then I tend to think, well, I've got to finish this paragraph. And I leave my cursor in the middle of the paragraph. And I don't know what made me do it, but I just hit return, went to a new paragraph with a space in between the paragraphs, and just carried on typing whatever the next thing might be. Now, I know that what I'm describing is the very basics of typing, but (laughs) psychologically, it made quite a lot of difference to just physically move my cursor away from whatever it was that I'd come to a halt with and then carry on. And so what I ended up with in the morning was about seven or 800 words of work, which I think is good usable work or was good usable work, but um, it was in sort of two, three, one sentence sections as opposed to like a 700 words of perfect prose. Um, so that was a bit of a revelation and quite useful. 
And I think maybe being out of my normal zone and in a different place, eating too many muffins, that probably helped. And then in the afternoon on Saturday, I um, I hit a bit of a wall. Do you have any techniques for... um? Do you have any sort of hit return style techniques? <laughs> I've done that a lot with poems, actually, where I've just, I've just, even if it's changes I'm making to the same poem, instead of messing too much around with the poem as I put it on the page, I just uh, spe- do lots of spaces underneath and then just try messing around with it underneath, but almost like as its own poem. And then I keep going so I can have like a few pages with different versions of the same poem, almost like kind of, like a metamorphosis and then I can end up just completely deleting loads of them and going back to the original. But I just, there's something about once you've got a poem on the page, even if you want to edit it and it's not finished or anything, it's something quite nice about leaving it there to know that you've got it, that you've created it and messing around with all the changes on a different, in a different place. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So do you mean, do you mean you kind of, you might write a couple of sentences or a stanza or two and it's in, it's all a bit of a jumble and then you kind of have it on the page in different areas. And then once you've got all of it there, you then piece it together into what the finished form might be or the finished poem. Yeah. So if it's a sentence that I wasn't quite happy with that I want to edit, I might be editing it like much below the, the poem and then I'll just copy and paste it back into the original poem once it's done rather than um, messing too much with the poem itself. But, you know, I mean, this, it, I guess it all depends on the poem. And anyway, I've only got six poems from the last two years to, to talk about, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's cool. So you did you did get some writing done. I got some and... writing done and I, I, I hit the wall. This is my last thing I really have to say that's useful. Um, I, I hit a wall and, and I, I was very aware that this was the kind of wall that I was hitting regularly at home. And... I did what I often do at home initially, which is kind of just stare at my screen and kind of panic. And then I realised that the reason that I panic when I'm at home is because in my, I know that I've been writing maybe for an hour, an hour and a half or something like that, and it's probably 11 o'clock at night. And if I'm going to do anything more that's useful, I have kind of need to get through the wall soon, otherwise it's not going to happen. And because I know that it isn't going to happen soon... I just stop and go, well, that's that done for the night. And I say an hour, an hour and a half, an hour, an hour and a half, but that could actually be 10 minutes. And I hit the wall and I go, oh, well, I've only got like another half an hour to go. So I can't do this. I'm going to stop. But I hit this wall at two o'clock in the afternoon, knowing I got the rest of the day and the morning the following day with no one there. Uh, No, and I was specifically there to write. And I'd been given this wonderful gift and opportunity and I couldn't just give up. And I was like, oh, right, this is what people normally do. And this is what I used to do is that I have the time and I have, I just need to find a way through. And um, it took about three or four hours of working with a pen and pencil and, and, you know, kind of forcing myself through it. And, um, and, and I did, and I did go on to sort of write another thousand words. So in, in total, I got about 1700 words done in two days, which was very good for me in the best of times. Um, but also that, 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 mental process that I went through I think is very important that I hang on to that and remember that um, sometimes I give up because I know that I've only got let's say half an hour's worth of writing time left or as is also likely I won't be able to write again for another four or five days or something like that and so I think well what's the point and um, 
And so that was a very useful lesson. Cool. And the last thing is I, 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 uh, I recorded some stuff. Well, we were going to include it in the podcast, but I know that we're not going to have time to include it all because it was about 15 minutes long. But basically, I took my phone around with me from coffee shop to coffee shop when I was at home. And I kind of recorded what I was thinking at any one time. So I will probably post, I'll put that together and I'll put it on my SoundCloud account. So if you're interested, then follow me on Twitter, subscribe, etc., etc. I'll do the stuff before. And um, I'll put that online because it might be interesting. I talk about some of this stuff um, then, but in the moment as opposed to now, a month and a half later. Fantabulous. Ian, is it time for a listener's question? Sounds like it. You have them, I believe, in front of you. I do have the listeners' questions. So I have asked for listeners' questions, and this was about half an hour ago before we started recording. Um, so a lot of these questions are focused on um, us finishing the podcast. So I think it's good that we get all this sort of stuff out of the way. We'll get this out of the way now. This is kind of the the end of the podcast episode, which leaves the end of the podcast, the next episode, the very final one, that can be something a bit more normal or maybe special. But there'll be a lot less of us talking about a lot of songs lots of songs i can do singing it'll be a lot less about finishing the podcast anyway yeah okay and we can we probably answer some of these anyway well let's let's go through them let's start off with uh inventor of the right for life drinking game and uh and uh all-round fine listener uh clueless uh on uh, andrew clues on uh twitter clue underscore less and he says uh why, 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 sob? Seriously, what do you hope your time will give you? <laughs> so he's yeah, asking. What do you hope, really, Ian? Seriously. So, yeah, seriously, what do you hope your time will give you? Um, I hope that my time will give me a bit of mental space. So, even though we've not been recording the podcast for the last three or four weeks, um, the fact that we it took us quite a while to make this decision I was constantly thinking about the decision or what are we going to, when are we going to record or can I record on that day so by making the decision that's allowed me the mental space to go well I'm not even going to think about that because it's finished it's gone so I just need to think about the writing and the second thing is my new job which I talked about I've I've got a new job, a real life full time job um, back in Sheffield so no more commuting and um, I'm really excited about it, I'm going to be up to my ears in the world of digital agencies, charities, non-profits and uh, content strategy and that kind of thing, which I'm very excited about. Um, and I want to be good at that job. And um, so I hope that I, if focusing on be good at job during day and be good at writing in the evening. I just want those two things to focus on. So that's, that's, that's what I hope my time will give me the chance to do that. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I am going to be going back to my job, um, which is, you know, of a similar ilk, um, in April. Um, and that is an extremely full on job. Um, and it's not that I take it home too much. I do have to take it home sometimes. Um, because you know, with social media, everybody's online all the time, but, um, but I just know my days are, as you have said about your days, full and I had this idea that before I went back to work, um, while I was looking after my little new baby, Sylvia, um, 
while she was napping in the morning, I might be able to get some writing done over the next few months. But I can see it's just, you know, it just doesn't happen during the day. There's too much going on. And also because she's kid number two, there's all sorts of things to do with kid number one I have to do as well. So it's the evenings. I need this, this hole that we're carving out or that we're carving out here. I really want that little writing hole. And also I want reading hole. You know, I need to be reading more. Um, so, so I just feel like, I feel that it's, it's going to be the perfect balance. I've got a month and a half, have I? No, two months until I go back to work. Um, and I'm damn well going to try and get cracking on the next book in that time. Um, so I really think that this, this can give us something that we're making that decision now, you know? Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. Um, I am also, um, do you know, I'm going to the Faroe Islands. Do you know where the Faroe Islands are or anything about them? Um, I know that their football team are kind of part of the European Championships um, uh, every year and they're kind of the uh, whipping boys along with San Marino. <laughs> yeah, well, they uh, for our listeners who do, don't know about the Faroe Islands, they're this incredibly isolated um, set of islands far, far up. Um, north of um, Scotland. It's covered, covered in pyramids. Yeah, just pyramids of rock. I mean, just the most incredible landscape. And um, Sphinx, Sphinxes. Yeah, why? Sphinx, Sphinxes and pyramids. Well, I guess, of a natural sort, yes. Um, it, <laughs> oh, God. Boom, boom. Sorry. I see what, what you're doing there. But it's weird because the landscape... They do actually look like real pyramids, the mountains there. It only makes the joke even more brilliant. Oh, it's just brilliant. Um, anyway, going back to the reason why I've, I've, I've brought this up um, is because I'm going there for three days completely on my own, which is just unheard of. Um, and I just I just imagine I'm going to be wandering around um, singing a little bit, maybe, like kind of sound of music, looking at nature, getting incredibly inspired um, and... I just, I feel like it's going to refresh my creativity. Well, how are you, so, why are you going there? How are you going there? I'm going there for a digital conference. Right. About, uh, yeah, content creation, which is very cool. Um, and, I mean, that's just, you know, that's just the side reason. The real reason I'm going is for, I thought I was going to get to go on a helicopter and everything, but the timing just didn't work out. So I'm going to be walking up to lakes and just doing a bit of walking and thinking and notes and writing. Sounds all right. Yeah, it's my own little writing retreat. See, no one's going to get me a writing retreat, so I've just had to fashion my own out of what I could, you know? Yeah, I mean, it sounds, compared to, you know, a little flat in London, it sounds like a pretty good writing retreat. Yeah, it is. But changing it up is just so, so important, isn't it, in this game, eh, Ian? Indeed. The old writing game. It's true. So that's what we hope to do. We hope to change it up and see where it takes us. Clueless, Next question. Clueless also says, what are the plans for the future for both you and the Flying Poets? I think we've we covered that. Ooh, yeah, we have. I mean, you know, but bigger, bigger plans. I mean, I, I would like to be a literary darling. That's, that's my ultimate aim. Literary. I want people to talk about me and think about me in the same kind of breath as Ernest Hemingway, Ted Hughes. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm a little bit less hairy than those two, but you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, do you know what? I, I don't know if I want to be a literary darling. Do you know what? Do you know what? 
should we, should we call this the, a little, let's do it. Let's do an honesty corner. If you think about your writing career and if you think about, think about it in a, let's be, let's be realistic. What do you want? What do you want? This is not quite plans for the future. I'm not sure we can plan for this, but what would be your ideal situation in two years time? Let's, let's say we know how long it takes for a book to actually get published. Let's give ourselves some time to write it. Let's say in 18 months to two years time, what, what would be the ideal situation for you? I would like to have a book well, because I mean, I, haven't, I don't think I'm going to be writing poetry in this next two months. I would like to think that I have something to present to an agent in a couple of years time. That would be, I'd, I'd said in a year, I would like to have something that I can potentially be, you know, shining off ready for an agent. I was thinking beyond that though, in terms of, but you just said I couldn't look, we go from there to literary darling. What more do you want? All right, fine. Ultimately I want to be a literary darling. Okay. I, I want to have created something that people will talk about. Yeah, well that's part that's part of my answer, I think. I'd I'd like my second novel to be just either about to come out or just coming out which is the same thing. Or just, having had been released just now then. And um and for it to have uh a bit of momentum behind it and and a bit of build up and to be have that buzz of publication. I think that's ultimately what I'm after. And and I've, and, and I've come to I've come to cherish um my reviews which I think I took for granted when I was when I was uh published first time round. I think I I think I I think I mm, I don't know. When I say taken uh, that I took them for granted, I think that I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to get my book reviewed and yeah, that's fine. It's, you know, that's, that's just one of those things. I don't think I appreciated how, uh, how easily you can end up with not great reviews. And I was very lucky that my first book was reviewed quite well. Um, not perfectly, not everyone liked it, but for the most part it was reviewed, reviewed really well. And, um, and I feel like I took it for granted. And so I think next time round, I'm going to make sure that I don't do that. And I want to, I want to kind of enjoy it more maybe and uh, appreciate that. Assuming that it, you know, hopefully fingers crossed that were to happen again. And, um, I don't know. Can I, can I ask you my own question? Yes. Podcast Would you rather... See, we could do a whole new series of podcasts just with would-you-rather questions. I would go for one horse-sized duck. Oh, that sounds rude. Would you rather do one book that people remember forever, like, say, I don't know, To Kill a Mockingbird, Harper Lee. Let's not bring the, the, the Watchmen into it, but let's say To Kill a Mockingbird. One book. Or would you rather have loads and loads of books that do very, very well, are well talked about, that loads of people read, that make, give you a career in writing throughout your life, but that nobody really remembers or talks about you being a great in the future, down the line, when you are gone. Um, I mean, ideally, somewhere in the middle, am I allowed to say that? No, not with uh, Would You Rather, no. Um, I'd like to go for the second one, please. That's funny, I'd rather go for the first one. Um, what, so that... Dream Country became that you'd never. This, is this why? Is this why you've only written six poems? You're just waiting for Dream Country to be <laughs> that not that collection. No, 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 no. My my novel that doesn't exist. 
But I want that to be something that, that you know, people talk about in 200 years. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think I would have answered that um, maybe a, a few years ago. But I think now, I think I'd, I think I would give, I think I would very happily take a successful career as a as an author uh, that I was able to you know put food on the table and and um, yeah have a career I can I, I think it's must be just wonderful I mean goodness sake we've complained about uh, money in uh, or the lack of money for being a published author enough if, if you're offering me a long career as a as a writer of fiction, then I think I'll take that, please. Interesting. Good. Should we um, should we move on to Linus Edwards' question? Yes, he says. After so many episodes, have you come to any grand conclusions on what it takes to be a great writer? Ha. Nope. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I have, and that is that you need to do less talk, more tippy tappy tippy tappy typing. Yes, don't do a podcast. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the advice. If you want to be a great writer, stop podcasting, you big idiots. Yeah, totally. No, just 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 write. You know, everybody says it, don't they? And it's just, oh uh, yeah. No, no, I'm not having is. that. We're not having. That's not our answer. That just writes. I've 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 absolutely railed against that idea for so long. I'm not giving that up now. This that can't be the answer. That to be a great writer, you just have to write. That's not going to work. No, no. I'm not saying that that's the only thing you need to do, but let's just take that as a first thing. Write something that helps if you want to be a writer, right? Yes. And then if you if you want to be a great writer, just write good stuff, isn't it? I think if you want to be, I agree with that. But I think if you want to be a great writer, then you need to be good. Um, you need to be relatively well read, although I don't think that's massively, massively essential. Um, but you need to have um, a whole heap of being in the right place at the right time. Um, and you have to also know the right people at the, in, that work in the right places at the right time. All of these things help. There are, I mean, think of how many writers there are and how many amazing books there are. You're not telling me all the ones that are considered great are the ones that are considered great. Some of them, totally, yes. But for some people... Just being in the right place at the right time will help. And also, what's your definition of great? Hmm. I think the right idea at the right time as well, like we've talked about this in the past, that you could be working on something um, and, you know, it's like flogging a dead horse and just to be able to say, actually, this this is not the right time for me to write this. I'm going to write something else. Exactly. And if you think, I mean, would you consider J.K. Rowling a, a great writer, for example? Hmm, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure I'm qualified to say, seeing as I may have read the first Harry Potter, but that was it. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that she isn't, by the way. I think that, you know, she is... I've read the first three Harry Potters. Um, and, I mean, I stopped reading them because I felt like I was an adult and I was definitely reading uh, fiction. This is at the time, by the way. I... I was perhaps a little more snootier than I really should have been at the time, but I just felt like I was reading the same book over and over again. So I, I haven't read them all, but as a hypothetical question, would she be considered a great writer? I don't know. I'm not even sure she would be, but she's certainly one of, you know, 
the most famous writer ever, or, you know, certainly one of them, um, you know, best remunerated, um, most well-known. And um, so I don't know what, I, I don't know what the definition of great uh, writing I mean, is. She's a great writer in terms of the fact that she is a great, if you just stop there, full stop. Yeah. She's going to be remembered in the future down the line. Exactly. More than ever, I feel like you have to plough your own furrow in the writing world and do your own thing. And I think it's, I think I've been guilty of it myself in the last couple of years of thinking, well, I need to write this kind of novel or I need to do this kind of thing. And I think it's so easy to lose your way um, and not write something that is true to you. And I mean, I've, I've read um, a couple of uh, short story collections recently and they were both, um, so one um, was by Lydia Davis called Can't and Won't, which I loved and I recommend. And I'm currently reading one called Vicky Swanky is a Beauty, which is a hell of a name for anything, um, by Diane Williams. And I didn't really know much about either of them before, both for, you know, very well-known writers. Um, and they write very short fiction. And I'm talking some of it, a couple of sentences, most of it um, no more than a couple of pages Lydia Davis's collection that I read, there were four or five stories that were more like a conventional short story in terms of length, but um, in terms of form, completely out there, like really in terms, you know, compared to what sells extremely well. Um, some of the writing that was amazing, absolutely just beautiful, especially Lydia Davis. I'm still slightly unsure about Vicky Swanky as a beauty. Some really good stuff in there, but it is quite difficult to read. But there's a story in uh, Lydia Davis's Cantonment called The Cows. And I actually read this um, uh, on the train back, or I can't remember. I read this maybe on the tube because I couldn't write between uh, 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 St. Pancras and the flat. And it was about three cows that the author saw out of a window in a field. And it was those three cows over the course of a year where they moved in the field and that was about it and I'm sure there are lots of metaphors going on or lots of other things going on but not you know you could read it as a straight reading and I wouldn't be surprised if that was what it was supposed to be and I started reading this thinking this is a story about three cows that move around a field and by the end I was genuinely a bit emotional I was like my God, I love these cows. These cows are amazing. <laughs> and it was it was a, st- a stunning piece of fiction. But, you know, that's not Harry Potter. And I would, you know, Lydia Davis is considered a great, I think she won the Nobel Prize for Literature. But, um, you know, I just think our, our definitions, you have to plough your own furrow. And Lydia Davis, and certainly Diane Williams, having read some of her work, plowing their own furrow, doing their own thing. And I think if, if there is, it's not about what it takes to be a great writer necessarily, but I think what you need to do is to just sort of try and write what you enjoy and what you think is good, but just always trying to check at the back of your head, is this actually any good? Because you can just go, hey, it's okay, I'm a wacky person and I can <laughs> I can write whatever I want. Look, no full stops anywhere. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is the find the balance, be influenced by certain people, and then do your own thing. Long answer again. Sorry. It's all right. It's good stuff. Um, we've got to get the advice in while we can. Eh? <laughs> yeah. um, right. R.S. Phelps. Hello. At Precipice Chair on Twitter. I'm very sad about the end of hashtag WFYL in case anybody wants to uh, see some of the 
the, the tweets around the podcast. It's like losing two friends. Oh, it's, it's nice. Really nice. Yeah. Any podcast suggestions to fill the void? Which are your faves? Um, well, actually, all I've been listening to recently is Serial Season 2, and I see that they had an update on um, on uh, Season 1 on the, uh, his appeal. Did you see that? No, I did not. Yeah, better get listening to find out what's going on with Adnan. Um, have you uh, had a go at Season 2 of Serial? I have been listening to Series... Uh, yes, I have all of Series 2 so far, I think. Yeah. What do you think? It's all right. It's not been getting as uh, as positive reviews online as number one. No, but I think that's because number one was number one and they were expecting it to be like number one and it's quite different. It's very different, isn't it? I'm enjoying it. Yeah, me too. I, I, people I, are harsh. You can't trust people. People, eh? Um, have you been listening to more useful podcasts, though, Ian, that you can recommend? So I, must, I assume this is a question about writing podcasts. Um and there are lots of writing podcasts that you can listen to. Um, but I'm not sure that you'll feel like the people that do them are your friends. I was very touched by that comment. That was lovely. And um, I think we've gone out of our way to make this as shambolic as possible, which I think people warm to because they feel bad for us. Um, <laughs> because most writing podcasts that you listen to are... Um, fairly straight in the sense that they kind of there there are here's a here's some advice on this particular thing this week and the following week there's going to be here's some advice on this particular thing this week and that's you know we've talked about this this is how this podcast used to be um and and lots of interviews so if you are interested in basically one author building their own platform by interviewing someone else every week and there are loads of shows like that, and there are some very good ones. So I'm saying this, and it, maybe it sounds like I'm being negative, but I'm not because they, those, a lot of those podcasts are really useful. So if you're into independent publishing, the Creative Pen, you can't go wrong with uh, Joanna's podcast. She's been on this show a couple of times. She's great. Um, the The Guardians, the Guardian Books podcast is good, although it's not that much. Mm-hmm. It's not really m- that much. That. Pardon. Well, I always get switched off by that. Yeah, there's not a lot of writing advice. You kind of have to be, if you're not into whatever it is they're talking about, then it can be difficult to get into. But, you know, it's there. Um, I like. Do you know what? Oh, go, on. go on. There's a, a podcast called uh, Tea and Jeopardy, which is by Emma Newman, who's also been on the show before. And that's really good. That's a very, very good podcast. And I recommend that. She interviews people mainly from the kind of um, uh, sort of sci fi or. or um, uh, sort of, oh God, this is embarrassing, isn't it? I don't even know my own genres. Um, what's the what's the what's some genres that are like that? <laughs> I'm such a ponce. fantasy. What are you fantasy? That was the one I was thinking of. Um, yeah, fantasy and uh, sci-fi uh, authors primarily. Um, but it's all it's framed uh, by a bit of a narrative either end. The idea is that she's that Emma is interviewing people. And she's travelling from place to place and she has her own lair and a butler, which is actually her husband who's a good writer too, Peter Newman. Um, so there is a whole narrative around that. It's a really interesting way of doing a podcast and that's very popular and very good. So Tea and Jeopardy. Um, apart from that, there aren't many podcasts, writing podcasts that I really listen to, to be honest. I just But that's probably a good thing, don't you think? I mean, I'm really glad that people have listened to Write for Your Life, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, you wouldn't just be reading books about writing, would you? 
I mean, this is podcast. It's about it's about everything. Yeah, and that's what you need in order to fuel your writing. My two favorite. So, sorry. No, I was just going to say that the reason I haven't listened to any writing podcasts is because I tend to listen to film and and culture podcasts. Yeah, and I tend to listen to technology podcasts and other cultural stuff. I love Hello Internet and I love Roderick on the Line. And you should go back and listen to all of the previous episodes of both of those shows. So I'll leave it at that. Brilliant. And the last one, I think this is a very fitting last question uh, from Bram Brasiliers. And I had to say that like that. I don't know why. Bram Brasiliers. And that's actually his Twitter handle. What question were you hoping for that no one ever asked you, Ian Broom? It's, it's such a good question. I don't even know if I have an answer for it. Uh, what was I hoping that no one would ever ask? No. No. What were you hoping for that no one ever asked you? Oh, I see. Sorry. Um, gosh, I definitely haven't got an answer because I was trying to think of a different answer. <laughs> have you? I can tell you. I, yeah, yeah on, I can you tell go. you. I would have liked someone to have tweeted me and said, hello, I listen to your podcast and I am um, a commissioning editor, a really big uh, publishing house. Will you write <laughs> a novel for us and we will pay you and give you a contract? So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I wish I'd been asked for. But, you know, huh, that was not going to happen, was it? Well, no, sadly not. Um, I don't know if I have a question I was hoping anyone would ask, but I can say that everybody who ever says nice things about the podcast or even just asks questions or, you know, it always lifts my heart slightly. I, I kind of love, uh, I love it when people get in touch and ask, ask any question related to the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even more so. So I guess I haven't got an answer to that particular question, but the nicest thing is when people I know have found me or us through the podcast have then gone on to read my novel and have got in touch to, you know, well, no one's ever got in touch to say they don't like it. I assume that they've been very uh, kind enough not to get in touch to tell me that. But the people that did like it and have uh, uh, have read it having first listened to the podcast, that's always extra particularly lovely. Um so yeah, well, that kind of we've that kind of uh, extra show activity has always been um, something that I've wanted more of. And I think if we do do something new, then we will try and sort of encourage that maybe more than we did for the first sort of period of us recording together. Absolutely, I agree. Great. Well, we have waffled for quite a large amount of time, Ian. I have. <laughs> yeah. When I say we, you know, it's it's the. The royal we. We haven't even talked it's about. Not the royal we. We haven't even talked about David Bowie, or oh my gosh, Penguin ditching the need for a degree. Well, but that's good because next week we'll talk about stuff that matters, eh? Yes. On our last show, it's going to be a show that matters. <laughs> yes. 